This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. All right, great big good morning. Great to have you folks here today. And, and you know, I want to start out today's service again, uh, you know, because of the current health stuff, you know, it's, it's going to be more conversational in nature because it just feels appropriate as, as we look at what does it really look like to move forward. And, and for those who didn't get a chance to see Nora last week, I certainly hope you go back. The service is going to be up one more week on our on our homepage, and then we have to take it down. But, but take the time to go and, and see her, because what she offered last week was a true blessing. Could I get a little amen on that? I mean, it was, it was incredible. And just to give you an idea that the kind of numbers, you know, even, even the, the message, just the way it pulls people out is, is, uh, you know, it ended up being our largest service we've ever done at New Church Live. When you, when you add in the people who were here in person, you add in the people who live stream, and we look at that over a 24 hour span, because some people watch on the West Coast. You know, it ended up being around 900 people, you know? And that's, that just speaks to, to what people are searching for, and, and what people are looking for, and, and how do we sort of find um, movements forward with all that. And, and, you know, there were so many highlights and, and Angela's actually going to be around and, and have some people volunteer just what their highlights were. And to get us warmed up for that, I, I just want to tell you mine. And, and what Nora said was just incredible. And, and she actually could talk about very serious topics in very funny ways, which is quite the mix to me. And for me, the highlight really came on Saturday night. So Saturday night, a couple of parishioners, two couples, hosted a special dinner at, at their house. And the dinner was for people who, are, who had faced tragic, immediate loss. And I, I say that knowing that I'm sure we missed some people in, in New Church Life who should have been invited. My apologies for that if we, if we missed something. And it was really something else. So, so I'm sitting in the other room, and here's Nora. Here's a whole bunch of people talking about you know, challenges in their life, what's beautiful, what's hard. And, and I thought, like, wow, that, that's it. Like, that's the it. I think when Jesus talks about Holy Supper, when he talks about communion, when he talks about breaking bread, that's what he talks about. No matter how hard we try, we can't get that on Facebook. We only get that when we gather as humanity in all our brokenness, in all our challenges of life, and we share from the heart where we are. And it's, and it's a truth that is totally different than just a sort of a status report on our lives. It was really amazing. I mean, what a profound, profound experience as a pastor. Yeah. So I, I thought maybe we could just get started, pass around the microphone, Angela will be around, and if just a, like three people were willing to say, hey, this was my highlight from last week, and just raise your hand, and Angela will be around with the microphone. So anybody else would like to share what their highlight was, please just raise your hand. All right, and Angela will be around. Uh, 
I was impressed that you know we all hear the expression you know where two or more are gathered yeah. in his name and, and that really seemed to be evident um, but on a larger scale Nora clearly has a congregation that follows her and yeah. we have our new church live and to see two congregations create something you know even greater was just wonderful and some magic came out of that so that was impressive that's a, that's a great point like the first people to show up came from Virginia like who drives from Virginia to church I have um, two things to say. Um, the first is I, well, three, I guess. I felt that she was very down to earth and very approachable. And she was in the lobby, and my son and his girlfriend had just arrived. And his, girl, my, his girlfriend actually followed her podcast. And she was so excited when she saw the posting on Facebook that she was coming here. So I was able to introduce her to Nora. And so that went really well. The second was, um, Someone I used to work with at my company I hadn't seen in a couple of years, she showed up here, and she, her husband passed away last April, and she follows Nora, and that's the only reason she came. So that was pretty cool to see. Plus, of course, all the people we had, that was really amazing. Yeah, that was, it was beautiful. And, and, you know, a funny one is mentioning to Nancy, you know, we really are a very ecumenical church. We believe all faiths have value. So we're people from a lot of different faiths here. And when Nora was doing the Q&A, uh, one of the funny parts was somebody raised their hand and they said, Nora, you are such a draw. You're the only way you could get this good Jewish girl to a church on Sunday morning. So that was, that was pretty funny. I liked when uh, Nora gave me a shout out last week. <laughs> well deserved. Well deserved. So, so folks, again, I hope you get a chance to hear because it was, it was just, it was so good. And, and, you know, as Bob said, the, the place was alive. It was alive. And, again, I, I know we have struggles right now in the country around, around health issues and all that. And it just was this reminder of this bigger truth of what we are together. And, and how, like, again, that basic, that basic trilogy that we talk about in New Church Live all the time, blessed, broken, shared. Like, when we really do hit that share part and share about the blessed and the broken parts of life, you know, magic happens. And that's what spirituality is supposed to do. Spirituality is supposed to bring us to that higher self, which is actually our truer self, which is actually who God intends all of us to be. So today, what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about, you know, when the storm hits, you know, when the, when the tornado hits and, and what does that look like? And how do we, how do we sort of deal with that? So I'm going to step over here, over to these chairs here. To use kind of some props for a minute here. And, you know, I think in life we kind of can sit in two places often. You know, I can remember being in my 20s, you know, and, and, you know, a lot, pretty much everything had gone, quote unquote, right in my life in, in so many ways. And again, my life was a mess. I look back at it now and it's like, oof, just, it was a car wreck. But of course, I didn't know that at that time. But I wasn't even sure there was a second chair. I, I sort of saw other people in, in hard places, but I didn't necessarily get it. So, so we sit in life at this moment, and then this particular tornado hits, and this question comes up. When was your last threshold moment? A moment where life was one way on one side of the moment and totally different on the other. 
It wasn't until later on in life, you know, probably until, you know, probably until my, my early 30s, and for most of you, it probably was actually even earlier than that, where you hit a threshold moment, where you were sitting here, there was an event, and, and instantly, you found yourself picked up, sitting in a different place. Today is talking about this moment right here. What's it like sitting in that moment? And by the way, for those of you who've, who've driven or those of you online, it's a great thing to have a conversation about, or if you're on the chat room right now, you know, what was that threshold moment for you where all of a sudden everything shifted? As one author, and I use this all the time, said beautifully, a threshold moment is where a whole lot less matters, but what matters matters a whole lot more. A whole lot less matters, but what matters matters a whole lot more. So we shift into a different, a different space. I'm going to walk back over here. It's important for us to, to understand those moments, to see them as part of life, and, and to see that God actually has things to offer to us around that. So I want to tell you a story in the Bible, and I was thinking about stories that kind of get to that threshold moment, and that, that moment kind of captures something about despair. What is that like just to be be stuck in that moment because that threshold moment, it, it just, we, we just go through it, right? There, there's not the right thing to say. There's a lot of things not to say to other people when they're in that moment. But it's, it's a difficult, it's a difficult place to be. You know, I remember, uh, you know, I was very, very close to my grandmother and she passed when I was in my late 20s and I was just distraught over it and and, uh, you know, just crying and crying and crying and crying. And some very well-meaning person came up to me at her funeral. And, and as I'm just beside myself, she said, oh, that's just natural grief. <laughs> and everything, no, it's, it's not. Actually, it was, it was something, it was something I didn't control. It was something bone deep, bone deep grieving. Those are threshold moments. So I was trying to pick a story from the Bible that kind of talks about how that can be. Now, now a little background here to the new church. We, we take the Bible very seriously. We don't take it literally. So what that means is, is we see these stories as beautiful poems that actually give us insights into our lives, insights into God, insights into how the world functions. So we don't read it as like a history book per se. We read it as these beautiful, beautiful stories. And, and what I would hold, just as in a little aside, is actually poetic truth is actually more true than scientific truth. When you fell in love, would you rather have a scientist describe it or a poet? I would hope you would say a poet. Because that, that gets closer to what love actually is than any scientific formula. And if you look at this as a book that's all about how to love, all about that idea of love wins, I think you can see why the poetry of it actually gives it even more power. Or else we just get into arguments about the facts. I am not interested in factual arguments around that stuff. Just not. So this story here, folks, it's, it's a story of a young mom, and, and it's a story about this, this, this ancient story, and there's Abraham, and his, and his wife couldn't have any children, so he has, what's, he has a maidservant, so he has sort of a, a surrogate mother. He has a child by this, by this servant. 
Her name is Hagar. She has a child. His name is Ishmael. Sarah eventually becomes deeply jealous, and she says, hey, dude, you got to get her out of here. She's got to leave. Abraham's totally distraught. That's where we pick up the story here. And this is God talking to Abraham. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son and the maidservant. But God said to him, do not be distressed about the boy and your maidservant. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you, because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. That was his other son. I will make the son of the maidservant into a nation, also because he is your offspring. So that's how the story starts. And it's sort of like a pretty harsh story in a lot of ways. But it's a story that ends well. It's a story of this moment, this threshold moment, I think, where, where life one way on one side, one way on another, how do we navigate that middle space? Like, how do we do that? So we see what they look like, and we, we see that they, they just got into this moment of desperation. It looks like they're not going to make it. She's not sure whether her son will survive. They're out there in the wilderness. And then we get this line in the Bible, this next slide. When the water in the skin, in other words, they'd put water in a canteen, was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went off and sat down about a bow shot away. Bow shot's going to be important. For she thought, I can't watch the boy die. And as she sat there, she began to sob. Again, it's, 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 when, when you look at this, you think this isn't history. This is talking about us. This is talking about those moments of despair in our lives where we're overwhelmed. Where we feel completely helpless. We feel completely powerless. And we're at a point where the water, quote unquote, is gone. Just a moment of, of despair. And, and I think it's, it's so challenging, right? Cause even as I'm preaching this, even as I'm saying these words, like, like my discomfort rises and it's like, Chuck, get to the good part, get to the good part, get to the good part. How many of us resonate with that? Right? It's actually a little uncomfortable sitting with despair at all. You know, those of you who are Mighty Python fans, it's sort of that great scene in Search of the Holy Grail. It's only a flesh wound. And, and yet, despair is going to be part of all of our lives. This story of a part of us out there in the wilderness is there because at some point in time, we will be there. And we have this precious thing, this, this thing we hold dear in our hearts that, that we are afraid is going to die. And we're in such great despair, we don't even want to see it, so we just kind of push it aside. That's a challenge all of us face. And that's a challenge we have to face soft front. Strong back. Soft front. Strong back. It's able to accept that, yep, this is a moment of despair. But it's also able to hold on to something. Even if it's just each other. So as the band comes out for their next song, let's think about that moment. And we're, we're going to be building towards this. What helped you get through those moments of despair? What helped you 
get through that moment in between those chairs, those threshold moments where life was one way here, another way there. What helped to remind you deeply? Who helped to remind you deeply? You are not, and you will never be alone. There's there's so many like paradoxes at that moment. You know, I, I I think back to myself and moments I've had those threshold moments, and they're like they're just hard. They're they're hard to even put into words. It's hard to watch. As a pastor, oftentimes to use Nora's language, I'm I'm grief adjacent to those moments with people. And it's just hard. And it's hard because I, I, I don't think there are things that, that to offer in terms of this will, this is how you get through it. One, two, three, four. Boom, boom, boom. I think what churches, synagogues, mosques, other houses of worship can offer is just a basic, a basic idea of like, this is, this is a point of view. And maybe if we understand these moments, just understand how it works, that somehow that will bring just a little bit of comfort. Won't change things, won't make things better necessarily, but just kind of we'll, we'll, we'll put edges on it to kind of have, oh, I, I can hold this now. And as someone who has, has walked this path with, with, with people, I, I think that's, that there are some pieces where we can just, oh, this is how we can hold it. I want to start, I'm going to end, I'm going to talk about, like, please just hold on to this simple idea. If you find yourself in these moments, God's there too. God is there too. I mean, that's overarching. Even in those moments of despair, even in those moments of doubt, even in those moments of just overwhelming grief, like God is there too. I love as well this this concept, as, as Richard Rohr phrased it, who I just love his work, until we walk with despair and still have hope. We will not know that our hope was just hope in ourselves and our own successes in our power to make a difference in our image of what perfect could be. We need hope from a much deeper source. We need a hope larger than ourselves. And that's where I think these these moments of, of, uh, you know, in a certain sense, it kind of strips us down to, to, to a pretty raw place. And there are things that we start to learn and experience in that place, those moments of, you know, where our dreams, our power, our hope, where, where all those things kind of collapse. And there's, there are gifts there. There aren't easy gifts, and I want to be clear about this. Do you all promise you're listening closely to this? God is not sending you there to get those gifts. It's not like God says, I know who needs a car accident today. That's not how it works. God is a God that holds the human experience, a human experience where we're free to make decisions, where the world, if certain in a certain sense, freely acts the way it does. And, and God holds that too. 
And it's about understanding God's economy, that even somehow those incredibly hard things, God will work as hard as possible to, to work with that. And it may not be that it ever makes life better than it was before. But it is something that God holds, and we allow this spirit, and maybe the best word for it that I have is just this spirit of preciousness to come deep into our hearts. Maybe that's what we start to learn and, and, and come to see. I love Kate Braystrip's book. She had one written, Wish You Were Here, and she, and she lost her husband and went on to be a, to be a chaplain. And, and she, she said, you know, that for a lot of people, you know, when they go through moments of despair, she said, you know, and she said, thank goodness for the floor. And I think that, that like literally and figuratively, thank goodness for the floor. Because she would inform people that a loved one was sick or had passed. And, and she said, you know, they would just, they would just go to the floor. And thank goodness for the floor. There's great wisdom in that. There's great truth and a great knowing there as well. I think, folks, what, what starts to happen at that floor is, and here maybe I'm speaking for myself, but I'm sure I'm speaking for a lot of you too, there's, there's a different kind of faith that happens. And it's, it's, I, I know for me, it wasn't the faith of my 20s. For me, the faith in that first chair, the, the faith of my 20s was that, look how good I got it. Look how much I understand. Look how much da-da-da-da-da. I mean, just a humorous one. When I was thinking back as I was driving along, you know, I, I saw, was out on a walk yesterday, and I saw someone, you know, sort of my age-ish who's trying to jog, Right? And when I was in my 20s, if I had saw someone my age in my shape trying to jog, I would have been a little judgmental. A little bit like, look at that. And, and now I'm like, look at that. Um, how are they doing that? Can you help me? Does this resonate with people? You know? And, and, and that's, that's, that's just my, you know, first chair I'm sitting one way, second chair I'm sitting in a very different place. And that, and that second chair faith, it, it, it isn't like, it isn't rushing to say it's all going to be okay. You know, that's not what the, that faith I think of the second chair is. Because folks, sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's not. But it's a faith that just keeps coming back to like, and this too is precious. And God is here too. Very different kind of faith. It's much more robust. It's much more able to deal with a broken heart. Believe it or not, it's much more filled with joy. Folks, sitting at that dinner Saturday night, watching these precious people, so many broken hearts in that room, and to see the light and the truth 
and the warmth and the connection, that moment fills me with faith. Not with certainty, but with faith. That family who hosted that meal, before I'd even asked them to do it, and this is where I think God has a sense of humor, before even asking them to do that, Allie, who was the hostess, uh, they have a beautiful blended family, and she just she had told me out of the blue, she's there, Chuck, I just got a new table. It'll seat 20. I think that's God's sense of humor. Like, who goes out and buys a table for 20? <laughs> But, but that's, that's what they did. And, and they didn't know that, but they knew that, and that was why they did it, even though that's not why they did it, if you know what I mean. Those moments, folks, are where I, I remember this. Please say the second word there. God remembers. I, I ran. I used to kind of read it, read those, there's a bunch of, I could read a gazillion stories in the Bible where somebody has a hard time and that says, God remembered them, or God remembers. And I used to kind of think like, oh, that means God can forget us. Is it possible for God to forget you? No. Impossible. And he says it over and over again. He uses a beautiful analogy. He said, he says, it's about as possible as a mother to forget her children. Beautiful line. And the big aha is I was working on this with the sermon writing team was God remembers. God remembers. Didn't as in not forgot, but God remembers constantly that there are those hard moments in life. And that again gets to the power. This is a little bit of a tangent, but so important. That's why the Easter story is the very crux of the Christian faith. God remembers pain, suffering, persecution, death. God remembers joy, fellowship, and brothers and sisters, resurrection. God remembers all those things. So how is it that we, we live with that? How is it that we, that we live in those moments? And, and I'm just going to give you a couple of things here. And please, folks, just don't, don't hear these as in like, you know, these are what you must do if you're in a threshold moment. There's no doubt with all the people online and the people here in person that there's somebody who's going through a threshold moment now. And the last thing I want you to hear is like, these are the two things to do. Uh, because you may not be in that place. You may just be on the floor. If you're just on the floor, good. Those two things are do not be afraid and open your eyes. Two things we get from this story of Hagar and Ishmael. The first, do not be afraid. When God heard the boy crying, and just, just even folks, just sit with that. God hears the cry. He always hears the cry. The angel of God called to Hagar, his mother, from heaven and said to her, What's the matter, Hagar? Please say the A word there. Do not be afraid. 
God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. And think of that precious part of you that's grieving. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. A beautiful line. That do not be afraid, we preach on it ad nauseum in here. Number one command in the Bible, do not be afraid. And, and I feel, folks, like this is real important. Please listen. That it's entirely possible to be afraid and courageous at the same time. Please don't think of them as two things. When you are afraid, feared up, as my friend talks about it all the time, when you are feared up, can you turn it off like a light switch, yes or no? No, can we all say no? No, you, it's impossible. Because fear can be this full body experience. Like, ask someone, where do you hold your fear? I guarantee they, they won't say, well, it's this intellectual construct I have, Chuck. They'll be like, my whole head just gets, ah. Or my, I, hold, I hold my fear right here. Which is why I'm going to get an ulcer one of these days. <laughs> but that's where I hold it. Some of you, maybe it's your hands. You know, I don't know where it might be for you, but, but that idea of, of like, like fear and it's a full body reaction. So we have to learn that it's entirely possible to be afraid and brave at the same time. So I don't do, do not be afraid as a commandment, like do not, do not steal. It's not like that. It's just, it's just asking us to breathe. Let's all take a breath here. Just this very comforting, like don't be afraid. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That part, folks, there is able to understand and honor the courage just to keep going. I know for me as a pastor, I find oftentimes I very gently try to remind people are going through grieving and they feel like they're doing it wrong. They feel like their life is just, is just falling apart. But they're still breathing. They're still getting up. They're still cooking a meal for the kids. They're still finding their way back to work eventually. Do you realize how courageous that is? That's courage. It doesn't look like the kind of courage we think of when we think of courage, you know, storming the enemy trenches and all that. But that's bravery. That's courage beyond words. I would dare say that's guts. So if you're in that moment and you're simply waking up and you're simply getting a shower and you're simply trying to do the next right thing, you have Courage, my brothers and sisters. And we honor that. That is something. And of course, all the fears right along with it. And if I could take them from you, I would. But that doesn't seem to be the plan. So we move through life Afraid and courageous, both together. The second thing, opening our eyes. Then God, I'm going to have you say the E word there. Then God opened her eyes. 
and she saw a well of water. What is the matter, Hagar? Oh, well of water. Did I get the slides wrong? She went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. Think canteen when they're talking about skin there. She went and filled it, opened her eyes, filled it. I think what this means, folks, is that we have to just, as best we can, sitting in that place, knowing that it may be sitting on the floor, maybe just this, this next slide. We have to just try to think of enough for today. One of the biggest things that can, that can at least can trip me up, and I've seen it trip people up when they're in those threshold moments, it's not just the day that bothers them. It's all the worries about next week and the week after and the next year and the next decade. Fear does that. Fear totally pulls us out into the, out into the future. And fear, hell, is really interested in getting us as far away from the moment as possible. Because that's where we feel the most lonely and the most unsure. Because the future is unsure. We don't know. So we come back to it when we learn just to open our eyes. We find enough for today. So now I want to go around the audience again. Looking for two or three people. So to set this up, I'd ask us all to take a big breath again together. And I'd ask us to think of the last time we had one of these threshold moments. And think who or what showed up where we opened our eyes and there was some water. Just enough for today. Again, God filled a canteen, not a tanker truck. Just, there was just enough for today that somebody offered you, that helped you to just keep going one more day. So if you raise your hand, Angela will be around with the microphone. Also, for our online audience, you're more than welcome, or here, you're more than welcome to text me, 215-740-366. I could, how's that zero? 215 215- 740-3662. We'll put that in the bottom third up there of the, uh, of the stream. So if some people could just raise their hand and we could get some people just to volunteer and answer there. So who would like to share some little water they got? Um, Okay. Um, good morning, everyone. I'm Claire. Um, when, when I came in, I want you to pray for me, to protect me, of uh, a prayer protection, because I'm going through a lot right now. But now I want to change my prayer to um, give me the strength to do your will and the grace to accept it. Mm. That's beautiful, Claire. Thank you. I just looked around this congregation and found the angels. Mm. And that was my water. That, was water. that is my water. 
And, I, and I, I think, I think, Lynn, that's beautiful. And I think that's why so much of the Christian tradition is based on this idea of witnessing. And we can make witnessing, oftentimes people talk about witnessing, they, they hear that line and they think, oh, it's my call to tell you about my faith. I don't think so. I think witnessing is where we get to witness the face, faith of others and find strength there. Thank you. Duanis, oops, I'm sorry. I just want to say from uh, friends of the past, they really pulled me through. Yeah. And uh, I don't know where they're at now, but I'm just so grateful that they, they were my water when I needed it then. Can, can you throw a name out there? Oh, gosh. Just one. Just figure out one name. David. David. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. We have one more, folks. Come on, right here. On the day that my mom passed away, um, the hospice nurse who came out to pronounce her, who was my coworker, um, he offered. He went back to his house and got some fireworks and brought them back to my uh, house, which was a precious reminder that my mom and my brother were together. Oh, that's beautiful. You know, as, as you were saying that, one of the there's a moment that I. I I don't talk about much, but I will talk about that kind of threshold moment. Like sometimes it's the silly stuff like fireworks, right? I, I had a, uh, a tragedy that I was going through and a couple of former students came and took me to see Fast and Furious. You know, and it wasn't like some big, theo- it's not a theological movie, folks. We are aware of that, right? But it was just this beautiful, like, have a Coke, eat some French fries moment. You know, that was just this beautiful, like, honoring of, of some sort of this person's life. And we got one more? Hi, uh, my name's Miles. Um, I used to be a member of the, the new church band here years ago when we first started. But what I'd like to relate to is, is uh, my wife, Nancy, who's sitting two seats over here. And in the past year, I had a, a couple serious injuries happen to me, which left me with, you know, in a rehab hospital. And um, I, I call her Mother Teresa now. <laughs> Unless she makes me mad, then. <laughs> but she has done so much for me that, like it, you know, there's that drink of water has been there. It's yeah. been in there in gallons, yeah. you know, more plenty for the week, yeah. not just the day. Yeah. So uh, anyway, thanks. Thank wow, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Folks, give everyone a round of applause there. All right. So here's just just a we're getting a bunch here online. Um, I'm just going to read a couple to you from online. This past week, I was called to my brother's house to help his wife and children as they are struggling and is now going through some panic and outrage along with it. As I stood in the driveway with police surrounding him, a feeling of fear, I thought it was the end, moved forward with my incredible husband called me and guided me through what I needed. He gave me a bucket of water to get me through the day. Beautiful, beautiful one there. My water came from so many places when Carrie, my husband, was diagnosed my small group soul sisters came through with buckets of water. Buckets seems to be the theme here. Buckets of water, not canteens. Dan Rather told a story of his father coming into his room when he was sick and saying, it was beautiful here, steady, steady. See, folks, those, those are what we're talking about here. 
And, and can I share you sort of a, I want to share some, this is the kind of thing like when you're a Bible geek, you get all excited about, and then I tell it to other people, and it's sort of like a joke I worry nobody's going to get. So, so the beautiful part is, did you remember when I said with this, with this sermon that, that it said like she had put the child over by a tree? Do you remember how far away that tree was? A bow shot. Story ends. This gives me chills. May not give you chills, that's fine. I'm a geek. It says he grew up to be an archer. <laughs> he grew up to be, do you realize how good that is? He grew up to understand that sometimes life, happiness, is a bow shot away. He grew up to be the father of many nations. He's actually considered in the Islamic faith to be part of the father of the Islamic tradition. Nora's closing words here about how we are to live and move forward. And is where I am now. And does not deny the past or the pain. And makes room for it in a way that but does not. The years will roll on, more joy, more pain, more possibility, more yes, more and, more. Nora, if you're watching, that is beautiful. Folks, that's how we're going to go forward this week. That idea of living in the end, that idea of if we find ourselves in moments of despair, doing the best we can to not be afraid, to open our eyes, and to as well, folks, just walk alongside other people. Not telling them that's what they need to do, but joining with them as God does that for them. Opens their eyes. Offers water. The water of life. Given abundantly. Amen. Now what we're going to do, folks, is have a closing prayer and then a last beautiful song about letting our light shine. So please join me in a prayer. Lord, thank you for your presence here today. And Lord, even in times of darkness, help us to allow our light to shine. Lord, even in times when we are unsure, when we are filled with despair, when we feel we have no light, Lord, somehow... Remind us to let that precious light somehow shine. Be with this congregation, Lord. Be with all those facing despair. Give us the grace to move forward. Not to move forward in spite of all these challenges, but to move forward with these challenges. The beauty, as Nora said, of that word, and. And thank you always, Lord. Thank you for your presence here among us. Thank you for our ability to gather in person in our line and online. Bless us in this week ahead. In your name, this Sunday we pray. Amen.
Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv. 